Welcome to Unleash Your Retirement with David Corin from RVA Wealth Management. Our podcast is all about providing anyone considering retirement with the confidence they need to pursue their dreams in this new phase of life. We cover a wide range of topics, from retirement planning to investing with purpose, all while making you laugh and keeping things lighthearted. With David's years of experience and guest industry leaders to help guide us, you'll walk away feeling informed, empowered, and ready to take on your future with confidence. So sit back, relax, and get ready to join us on this journey to a new life. Hello, and welcome to Unleash Your Retirement with your host, David Corin. I'm Wendy McConnell. Now, today, we are going to be talking about investment risks and how to manage them. But we have a guest today, right, David? Yes, we have Mike Smith back again to finish up the um, our investment series. And so he'll be joining us to talk about some of these common investment risks that uh, that people run into. And I think that's especially relevant given what's going on in the markets currently. Thank you for joining us, Mike. Welcome. Uh, it's good to be back with you. All right. So we're, today we're going to focus as we, we always do personal finance on steroids, right? That's right. <laughs> <laughs> it's my favorite phrase. So uh, what are some common investment risks then? Let's start there. All right. Well, Mike, I'll let you jump in on a couple of those and, and take a, the initial ones. Okay. Because, I mean, you know, that's the thing. People out there are always concerned, especially about the stock market going up and down. Uh, but there are other risks as well so uh, that they need to be concerned about. And I always say in my classes, uh, you know, if somebody tells you they have a risk-free investment, run as fast as you can because there's no such thing. <laughs> All investments have risks. I'm going to touch on the two maybe most obvious ones right now. Business risk, number one, you buy a stock or you buy a bond, there's a chance that that business goes out of business. Kerplunk. Kerplunky, yeah. (laughs) (laughs) That was a game I had when I was a child. (laughs) Um, So it goes back to the old adage of not putting uh, all your eggs in one basket because it's very rare, but it does happen. You know, there's been some high... Case, you know, high-profile cases like Enron and Bear Stearns, where large, allegedly very profitable companies went out of business. So, business risk is real, and the other one is market risk. If you have, if you're in a period where the general stock market is selling off, you have to be prepared for times that you may own investments that you feel really confident in this company and this management and their prospects, but they can go down with the general market through no fault of their own at times. They're just, there's going to be these waves where the general market is just going down for a period. So just be prepared for that. And we're in one of those periods right now, sort of a bear market kind of scenario lining up out there. And so the best thing you can do is kind of hang in there for the time being, if that's possible for you. That's correct. And there, but there are mitigating strategies that we're going to be talking about to help minimize your downside risk, or at least put you in a position where you don't worry about it you're fine. You know, you're going to be fine and you're able to wait out the downturn. Okay. So So that's, that's key. How do we protect ourselves then? Like when, when it's volatile, like it is now? Well, there are a variety of ways. The first one would be diversification of the portfolio. Uh, A lot of people, and I can think of here, you know, locally in our market, uh, Dominion Energy for for one, they've been around a, a long time and a lot of people put all their money in Dominion Energy stock. Well, uh, you know, you would think, oh, that's a nice, safe utility stock, but they're down like 50% this year. So, no, <laughs> you can't put everything in one stock. 
it doesn't work that way. In fact, we sort of say that you know you should never have more than 10% of your portfolio in one stock. And what we tend to do in ours is keep things down to about a 1% or 2% number in any one stock. And then you're spreading your risk out over multiple ones. And that's one way to hedge, especially against business risk. As far as the market is concerned, you're, there are a variety of ways to deal with the market. Uh, modern portfolio theory is one where we basically are, are looking at a lot of statistical indicators and then taking your risk profile and saying, okay, this is the downside risk you're really comfortable with. I can handle a 10% move down in my portfolio. I'm not going to panic and sell everything, okay? So you can build a portfolio that shouldn't have more than a 10% downside risk to it. Or you say, well, in the worst case scenario, I can handle a 20% downside risk. Uh, in that case, well, you know, and, and by the way, the market went down 20% last year. So just to give you an idea, that's a, a big move down. Now, most clients that are in a moderate in a moderate portfolio didn't see a 20% drop last year but they did see about a 16% drop so it was a big one you know 15 to 16% uh down when the market was down 20 and a lot of that had to do with the fact that last year was a unique year because of the bond market a lot of people invest in bonds because they consider them safe right mike absolutely and what happened last year bonds had their worst year since the 70s uh, due to interest rates rising rapidly as the Fed try to deal with inflation. Yep. And when that happens, when interest rates go up, bonds are inversely related. Their valuation is, and interest rates rose and bonds dropped. In fact, the average of the bond ag last year dropped 12%. And if you were in longer dated, longer duration bonds last year, you could have seen a drop of as much as 30% or even more. So pretty scary. You buy a 30-year treasury thinking it's safe, and it drops over 30% because of the rise in interest rates. Yeah, interest rate risk, I think, is one that a lot of people don't consider when they're trying to build their own portfolios. Um, I also wanted to get back, Wendy, to a uh, question a minute ago about what to do to protect yourself. I think we have the tendency sometimes to go with these industries that we're comfortable with and we know our parents are investing in, like utilities and food and beverage. Make sure that you're spreading your your uh, investments ac across multiple sectors. You want to have some exposure to technology, to food and beverage, to utilities. That way, if one sector is going through a really tough time, like automakers or food or beverage, you're not going to be really dragged down more than the general market. So try to limit the, the exposure any one sector when you're building your portfolio. Yeah. When you think about it, uh, if we look back historically and we look at all the different sectors that you could be investing in and all the different types of investments, including bonds, cash, you look across the board and there are always different winners every year, practically. And, and somebody that's the big winner this year may be the big loser next year. So you really need to diversify your risk across all of these different asset classes to minimize your downside exposure. Uh, because hopefully when something's zagging down, you've got something else zigging up. I mean, that's what you're hoping that'll, that'll occur when you've got all these different sectors. Now, in a total market meltdown kind of scenario, a lot of times there's not a lot of places to hide. And that's sort of what we saw last year. There weren't a lot of asset classes that did great with the exception of the commodities, in particular last year, commodities, the oil and gas industry did real well. So if you had a lot of oil and gas investments last year, that was a pretty good year for you. Whereas the rest of the market was way down. 
But if you had a nice allocation to that category in your portfolio, you had some protection. One important thing to note is there could be these six months, one year periods where the general market is just not going to cooperate and it doesn't feel good. Before you're building your portfolio, make sure you have added your cash so you can ride these periods out. If you have any short-term needs or emergencies, you don't have to try to sell stocks when they're real when the general market is down. You right. Know, I mean, think of these as long-term mm-hmm. investments. And in the, over the long term, you should do very well if you if you're picking uh, quality companies. Yeah, honestly, if you don't need to tap your investments for income for a long time, let's say you're, you know, you're 45 years old and you're investing primarily in your 401k, uh, you really shouldn't even blink when the market goes down. Uh, you should be taking advantage of a. Uh, risk mitigation strategy called dollar cost averaging. And most people are doing that. Dollar cost averaging essentially means that you are always putting money into the market, whether it's down or whether it's up. So over time, you will actually, when it's way down, you're still buying in. You know, you just keep buying. And that dollar cost, which is what most people do because their their money goes into their 401k automatically from their paycheck every month or every two every two weeks or what have you, however they get paid, the money's going into their 401k and they're buying into the market per their allocation. The other thing you have to do, if, especially if you're younger, under 50, let's say, and you've got you've decided what your risk tolerance is and you have your allocation in a position where you're sort of comfortable with the mix, let's say it's 60% equities and 40% bonds, you're comfortable with that. Don't sell just because the market is going down. That is the worst thing you could do because that's what a lot of people do. You know, the we call them the retail investors. In fact, we in our industry, we sort of watch what the retail investors are doing because they're a big in, indicator of where the market might be going. So if they're and an indicator of when we call it the final puke out <laughs> in the markets occur, that usually is, is comes from the retail investor. So the retail investors, I can't handle it anymore. I'm pulling everything out of the stock market in my 401k. Okay. That's the big, big mistake because it almost always happens at the bottom. And then you miss out on the recovery. Because that's you, then you wait. Oh, it's going back up. Oh, I'll, oh, wait. I'll wait till oh, it gets I'll better. Wait. Oh, it's, it needs to get a little bit better. I'll wait. That is a horrific stra- strategy. So, being consistent, staying in the market, doing dollar cost averaging on a, a long period of time, and being diversified across all the different asset classes is what, probably one of the best ways to protect yourself uh, against this market type of volatility and downside risk. Now, when you're retired, it's a little different story, right, Mike? Yeah, for sure. You're no longer adding to your retirement plans, obviously. Uh, you can still do dollar cost averaging. A lot of times people have a large amount of money that they want to get into the market after they're retired. And they said, Mike, is this a good time to be getting in? Is our market too high? So what you can consider doing is slowly getting into these stocks, maybe put a third in, take a few months off, keep some in cash, add another third later. And then you could sort of make sure I didn't buy at the top here of, you're slowly working into uh, building up a nice position. Right. Now, let's, I just want to circle back real quick, Wendy, and just make sure that we check off all the potential investments and common risks that people are facing. So we talked about market risk, which is the one that most people are concerned about. Uh, we talked about a little bit about interest rate risk. We talked about business risk. <clears throat> we should also talk about inflation. 
you know, if you're in a cash account that's earning 3% and inflation is six, what's happening? You are losing money. You're losing buying power. There is a downside to cash. It may be safe, but you still may be losing money. People say, because you're losing buying power. Uh, and in this environment where we've got pretty high inflation, that's what's happening to a lot of folks, uh, unless they've repositioned that cash into something that is going to give them a higher yield, you know, to keep up with inflation. Um, liquidity risk, uh, you know, you got all your money in the house. Hey, you can't take advantage of something very easily when all your money's in the house. And today you don't want to be taking out a, a mortgage or home equity line of credit to invest because guess what? You're going to have to pay like 10, 12% interest on that. You know, so when your money's locked up in, in something like real estate, like your home, you have liquidity risk. You can't get out of that easily to take advantage of being able to buy something else that could go up a whole lot uh, faster. And that's also an, an, an example of sort of opportunity risk. So you have this opportunity, but you have no way of investing in it because you invested in something else over here and you can't take your money out right now. So that's an opportunity risk. So one of the things you have to be careful of is investments that lock your money up, which is something that annuities do, uh, which is something that people, non-traded programs out there, that you, you get into those things, they promise these big returns, but honestly, uh, and they might give you some diversification, but honestly, your, your money's locked up until that thing is done. So if you wanted to invest in something else, you can't. So you've got that that opportunity risk out there. And the other one that we they don't, you know, pe people, a lot of people don't think about it, but is currency risk. So if you're investing overseas, you do have to be concerned about what happens with currency. You know, is the dollar strong? Is the dollar weak? Uh, I went to Canada recently and the dollar's strong there. So uh, my dollar bought more, <laughs> you know. Uh, in that marketplace. So you have to be aware of those things when you're investing internationally and currencies can swing pretty rapidly. Uh, and if you're not hedged for that or understand that risk, it can be very disadvantageous to you in terms of how you're investing your portfolio. Yeah. I would advise people that are getting started against putting too much into the international stocks, Wendy. There's a lot more at play there between currency risk you have sometimes volatile governments, um, lack of proper accounting in some areas. You do have a potential for greater upside, but there's a lot more risk a lot of times in international markets. So please make sure you, you really know what you're getting into. Well, when it comes to, we we touched on it a little bit when we we're talking about the interest rate risk and, and bonds, they're typically thought of to be safe, but that wasn't really the case this past year. So what's, what's the deal with that? One important thing to remember about the bonds is if we were buying an individual bond, you'll see volatility in the day-to-day -day pricing, but you shouldn't be that concerned because if you could commit to holding the bond to when it matures, you know what you're going to get back and you'll just collect the interest on the whole time and you sort of can, can ride it out. If you're in a bond fund, like we typically see in 401k plans, they are at the, at the mercy almost of the market. Whereas interest rates were moving up last year rapidly, these funds held bonds with low rates. As rates went up, their bonds became less valuable and your mutual fund went down on your 401k. So there's yep. a big difference between holding individual bonds and bond funds. And a way to mitigate that risk is building out what we call a bond ladder. I don't know if you've ever heard that term before, but a bond ladder means basically that we're going to buy bonds with different durations and we're going to and we're going to buy them directly and we're going to hold them to maturity. Uh and by doing that, we don't ever even worry about what's going on with the interest rates because 
We're just, we're buying them for the yield that we're going to get off of the bond. And we lock that yield in ahead of time. And as long as you're buying high quality companies that aren't going to go out of business uh, as, you know, because there are junk bonds out there, uh, as long as you're buying high quality companies, um, then all you have to do is hold and wait until they mature. And we do that on, on the municipal bond side as well, where we buy individual municipal bonds that are paying that nice, wonderful tax-free interest to you. And we build a bond ladder on that side as well. Uh, because let's face it, you know, most of your municipalities, they're probably not going to go out of business, right? <laughs> uh, hope, right? We would hope. And, you know, they, usually they just raise taxes or look to a higher authority like the state or the federal government to bail them out if they do get in trouble. So that's what we've seen historically with some municipalities that are have been poorly run, but these bonds still get paid. And that's what's important. The interest gets paid and then the principal comes back to you at the end. And that's what you're after with having a bond ladder with varying maturity dates in it. So once when one matures, you buy another one with a longer duration in it so that you're constantly buying some new bonds along the way to replace the old ones. So that makes sense. So as long as you're buying specific bonds that you're talking about and you wait for them to mature. Correct. That's okay. right. Buying yeah. individual bonds eliminates interest rate risk. That's one of the lot of... A lot of people are surprised and in the class I'll put up uh, a little when I teach a class I'll show in the in the, the breakdown and and I'll show interest rate risk and I say bonds people are like well I thought you said that you know there's an inverse relationship yeah that's true but if you if you buy individual bonds you really don't have interest rate risk because it's going to mature if you hold it to maturity you're going to get what you put it put into it what you expect to get back your par value on the bond and good news for retirees we're seeing really good rates out there on high quality bonds. So it, it gives them peace of mind that they could ride out the stock market ways. If they have enough allocated to these quality bonds, I think it's uh, it's very helpful. Yeah. I think, Mike, I saw you buying a lot of bonds just the last couple of days. I noticed a whole bunch. I've been buying uh, municipal bonds, state of Virginia. And also there's a lot of good CDs out there with good rates uh, that I'm starting to, to shop around for. Yeah. We sort of treat CDs like bonds as well. Is he looking over your shoulder, Mike? watching you buy bonds and stuff. Uh, <laughs> I get it. I, I'm notified. You know, we're all tied into the same system. So I get notified. Email or no. When, I... <laughs> when he's getting, when he buys bonds. I get okay. That, that makes better, better sense now. Okay. <laughs> what about gold or other commodities? Well, that's another type of asset class when we view it that way. But keep in mind that commodities for the most part are very volatile. They go way up, way down. Lately, the gold index has been following the stock market to a large extent. Uh, I think that the gold is sort of inversely related to the dollar. So if we saw a weakening in the dollar, you might see a strengthening in gold or, or see gold go up. Uh, and we do use it as part of our asset allocation strategy. So risk management, two, there are two very important, well, wonderful risk management, management strategies. We've already talked about the bond ladders, diversifying out. Uh, using diversification. And then asset allocation is just putting the money into the risk categories based on you know your risk tolerance. And then within the within those investment categories, mixing that up so that you have different asset classes in there. So in our portfolios, we do have commodities. We do have uh, large caps, small caps, mid caps, international, bonds, cash, every type of investment category. We're going to mix those in to try and make sure 
that we've diversified out across not only within you know different stocks but also out within different asset classes and cat and different asset categories so that we're not only buying stocks and bonds i mean stocks we're buying bonds too cash commodities all real estate all those types of of asset categories that we're putting into the portfolio so to make sure that we're keeping your downside risk at a minimum so the million dollar question then let me hear it what is the best strategy to grow my investments but minimize the downside risk <laughs> I mean, it's such a you know an easy question. <laughs> well, we usually use what we call modern portfolio theory when we build out our port our models. So we're looking to maximize and get the highest potential return with the lowest downside risk per a risk category for a particular client. Now I talk about risk a lot because if you're 35 years old, you got a long future ahead of you, you're making good money. You don't need your investments. You may want to be very aggressive, you know, and be all equities. And so for someone like that, we can be very aggressive. And but we still are going to mix up the asset categories. We just probably won't put bonds or necessarily cash into the mix because they're they've got all that covered. They don't have to worry about income needs. And if they if the market goes down with someone like that, they're not going to sell. Because they understand what they're doing. They understand that the market goes up and down and they're okay with that. Now, if they were not okay with that, that would be a different story. Okay. So somebody else, you know, we come down the asset risk, let's say they're sort of a moderate type person. They really don't, they get nervous when the market goes down and goes up. We have to identify that with the client and then we put them in a portfolio that's going to sort of give them that protection on the, so their downside risk is not as great as the guy who's all in for aggressive growth, right? They're, they're okay. The aggressive growth guy is okay with the ups and downs, but the moderate person is not. They, there's going to come a point. If you had somebody that was a moderate risk in an aggressive growth portfolio, there will come a point when the, it goes down so much, they call you up and say, sell everything. Get me out. I can't handle it anymore. Please. <laughs> And that is the worst possible situation that we could be in with a client because now we are doing them a tremendous disservice. Uh, and not only that, emotionally, they are very not, they're not happy. <laughs> uh, we would probably lose that client if we did that. So we try to make sure that we match how we're investing to the client's risk profile. And, you know, sometimes people, we all, I talk about the, the really the risk that the client has in terms of their emotional risk. Uh, and then we also look at what is their risk capacity. So how much risk can they really take? Because we do have people that are 35, 40 years old who have tremendous risk capacity. They don't need their investments, but boy, they're going to panic if the market drops a whole bunch. They're going to want you to get it, want to get out. And so we learn that up front. So we don't put them in an aggressive growth, even though they have the capacity to handle the risk, we're going to put them in a more moderate position that matches their risk tolerance so that they can handle the ups and downs. I think really the key thing is to invest in a way, in which we can do using modern portfolio theory and understanding the client, invest in a way that is going to put you in a position that no matter how bad it gets, you're not going to want to sell everything. You're not going to panic, okay, and start selling. That is the real key. And when markets are in turmoil, in the past, I've learned this over the years, when markets are in turmoil, that's when you find out if you didn't get it right, okay? You know, when there's a big drop and you've got 
three or four people calling you and freaking out, okay, you don't have their risk profile correct. Okay. Cause, cause normally I'll be honest, uh, you know, the last, last year, I don't even think we got a phone call from a client panicking because they didn't go down like the market. You know, they were, they knew where they were, you know, they didn't lose so much that they panicked and they were okay. The other thing that we do with retirees, especially there's a little different model when we're talking retirees versus someone who's got their income covered and they don't need to worry about things. So with a retiree, it's a different model uh, because what we are looking at there is we need to make sure that we have enough safe assets. And usually that's cash uh, and a mix of bonds of some sort, enough safe assets to cover their income needs for the next five years is what we shoot for. If we do, then we can be you know, fairly aggressive with the rest of the portfolio. Now, if we don't, even if that client is a pretty aggressive risk person, we'll tell them, hey, you know what? We, we can't be in the market. We need to lower your risk because we need to keep these assets safe to cover your income flow needs in the future. So it's, called, it's sort of a cash flow management approach that we take so that that really drives how we invest the assets for someone who's already retired, because we want to make sure that no matter what happens to the market in the market, we're not going to have to sell anything when we don't want to. Okay. That's a key thing. We don't want to have to sell, especially an equity position in a down market, because that's, that's the worst possible thing we would have to do not to sell. And, and again, that all has to do with an income flow. So, you know, if we've got their income needs covered, then we don't have to worry about selling in a down market. We can hang in there and stay stay tough with the equity mix that we've got for the client. So that could mean that we have to lower risk for folks that are um, in retirement, even though they can handle more risk. Because in that case, we're just saying, hey, your risk capacity has changed because you need this income flow, so we need to protect you. And that's another thing that we do with clients when they're actually retired. So it's sort of a two, two ways to approach this. Make sure you get your risk tolerance level correct and invest in a way that gives you the right kind of downside protection. And that can be done. By the way, target date funds can do that for people in 401ks to some degree. And then we do that for clients by doing actual in-depth risk analysis for them, getting them and go through a pretty intensive uh, survey to figure out where their risk tolerance lies. And then we do questioning in addition to that to make sure we've got it right. But you can do that yourself, you know, if you're in a 401k or something, just make sure you've got your risk tolerance so that you don't sell in a down market. You're comfortable with how your mark your portfolio and you know you're just going to be buying in when the market's down. That's the dollar cost averaging approach on an ongoing basis. Uh with retirees, we have to make sure that we have their cash flow needs covered and then we can invest riskily. That's really sort of like a bucket approach. We got to have the safe stuff here and then then we can invest a little more aggressively over here. That's what's so great about you, David. You take these really complex issues and you really just make it sound so much more simple, less scary, actually. So you know what? I love that. I love that you picked that up because that's what it's about. <laughs> it is. You know, we don't want clients panicking and getting scared in times of market volatility. Yeah, uh, because we know it's going to happen. There's no avoiding market volatility. It's going to go up. It's going to go down. Over time, it's probably going to go up. Historically, it has. But you know what? You be, need to be able to handle those times when it goes down because when it goes down, it can be painful for a while. And we're not talking, you know, necessarily short periods. Sometimes it's several years, like 
the Great Recession. You know, we had a down market for a long time. You needed to be able to weather that storm. Okay. So if somebody has more questions, how do they get in touch with you? They can reach us through our, our website, rvawealthmanagement.com. I've got a wonderful little way they can just tap in and hit if they've got any question at all. So we have a little ask anything. You can get a 20 minute time frame with me personally or one of the team members here, but usually it's me. We set up and you call in and for 20 minutes, you can ask anything and we'll just, we'll do that. So we would be happy to do that. If it's on our website, it's a Calendly link and you just find yourself 20 minutes of time uh, and ask anything that you would like. All right. Thank you, David. Thank you, Mike, for joining us again. Oh, it was great. Thanks, Wendy. All right. And thank you for listening. Please like, follow, and share this podcast with your friends. Until next time, I'm Wendy McConnell. Thank you for listening to the Unleash Your Retirement podcast. Click the follow button to be notified when new episodes become available. Visit our website at www.rvawealthmanagement.com or give us a call at 804-497-2100. And don't forget to click the follow button to be notified when new episodes become available. The information covered and posted represents the views and opinions of the guest and does not necessarily represent the views or opinions of RVA Wealth Management. The content has been made available for informational and educational purposes only. The content is not intended to be a substitute for professional investing advice. Always seek the advice of your financial advisor or other qualified financial service provider with any questions you may have regarding your investment planning. Content here is for illustrative purposes and general information only. It is not legal tax or individualized financial advice, nor is it a recommendation to buy, sell, or hold any specific security or engage in any specific trading strategy. Results will vary. Past performance is no indication of future results or success. Market conditions change continuously. This commentary reflects the personal opinions, viewpoints, and analysis of RVA Wealth Management. It does not necessarily represent those of RFG Advisory, private client services, their clients, or their employees. This commentary should not be regarded as a description of advisory services provided by RVA Wealth Management or RFG Advisory or performance returns of any client. The views reflected in the commentary are subject to change at any time without notice. Securities offered by registered representatives of private client services member FINRA SIPC. Advisory services offered by investment advisory representatives of RFG Advisory, a registered investment advisor. Private client services, RVA Wealth Management and RFG Advisory are unaffiliated entities. Advisory services are only offered to clients or prospective clients where RFG Advisory and its representatives are properly licensed or exempt from licensure. No advisory services may be rendered by RFG Advisory unless a client agreement is in place.